0: Blue Wire.
1: Welcome to episode eight of That's What B Said, a Cleveland sports podcast. I am your host at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts at Birdseye View, Brittany Mollis and Meredith Kane at MK on Sports. Ladies, we're back on the roller coaster. Oh, my suffered
2: God. Suffered a loss. <laughs> i mean i don't like it's such a i don't even think roller coaster begins to describe what has happened in the past 72 hours
1: yeah we're probably in the midst of an actual train wreck
2: i mean it might be that it could be like we might have jumped out of the airplane and forgotten our parachutes Mm. Actually, that's what, a Freddie Kitchenism, I think, it is, Meredith. Yeah. You pay attention. It is, yeah. It was uh, a, <laughs> you know, what was it? If you don't have the parachute, don't jump out of the plane. But I forget exactly what it was. But I'm pretty sure the Browns just jumped out of the plane without the parachute yeah. this weekend.
3: Hasn't felt good, ladies. No.
1: So we're gonna get into the Browns. We've got our first guest of the show on episode eight debuting. Rational Bob will join us in a little bit. <laughs> Rational Bob, Rational Bob. Uh, he had a great tweet. I'm a tweet. It was like 47 tweets, I believe, is what he said. So yes. if you don't feel like reading that, just listen. He will tell you what he tweeted about. It
2: was like yes. 302
1: tweets,
3: <laughs> but it's important stuff. It's good stuff. It is it good, really, really good
1: stuff. Really good insights. Does a great job. And uh, Brittany, I think maybe this season is bringing back some memories for you. So I want you to. You've drawn some parallels before we started recording the show, and I feel like we have to talk about it.
3: I feel like I'm losing my mind tonight. This whole season has given me deja vu. And I think it's t- it's spooky story time. Are you guys ready for this cautionary tale?
1: Do I we mean, have music? Ooh. Yeah, I was about to say, okay. Halloween
3: <laughs>
2: is past, but this could be like Nightmare Before Christmas kind of thing.
3: All right. <clears throat> Here we go, ladies. This is a cautionary tale about getting everything you've ever wanted. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you know this, but... Baseball used to be, like, my life, right? Um, it was my first love. Like, the Cleveland Indians were my everything, okay? And you wouldn't know that now, but, like, back in the day, you know, like, 95, 97, all the way to 2007, all of that. Like, I just, I lived for the Cleveland Indians. Um, and I always had a super soft spot for Hispanic baseball players, okay? I, I, my first favorite is okay. Carlos Baerga. And then it went into Robbie Alomar, Victor Martinez, uh, Miguel Fausto, like the list was out of control. So loved baseball, loved Hispanic baseball players. They were like, they were like my Colin Sexton's and, and my Lamar Jacksons before (laughs) they were even born. Okay. (laughs) So for a long time, I dated this boy and he was my high school sweetheart. He was my best friend, but. There was, like, no romance. It sort of just, you know, dwindled into this friendship, and we eventually broke it off after a very long time. Very sad stuff, guys. But that's not the sad part, okay? After that, I met a man. A man? A man. A man. Oh, he was a man. <laughs> <laughs> Went from a boy to a man. <laughs> but, guys, it wasn't just any man. I met a tall, <laughs> beautiful Hispanic baseball player man, okay? So I thought to myself, so this is this is everything I've ever wanted. This is this is exactly what I deserve. This is what I have coming to me. And it was. I mean, on paper, it was everything my 22-year-old self wanted. He was a tall, beautiful Hispanic baseball player, okay? And for the first few weeks, it was amazing. He was so kind and, like, super attentive and wonderful, very thoughtful guy. But slowly, I started to notice things. Weird, scary things. Like he told me he loved me after two weeks he wanted to get married and start having kids two months in and he started coming to me with his like his bills like stuff about rent and things asking how to pay them and i was like uh i'm an idiot 22 year old i don't know anything like (laughs) please don't treat me like an adult in this i'm clearly not um then there was like you know these groupies that started coming in so all this stuff started happening and i'm like all right this is still the life i deserve like i'm gonna make this work because my God, this is what I've always wanted. So we dated for about two years and he was about to go back to the Dominican in the off season to be with his family. Um, And right after spring training one year, he had to fly back to the Dominican unexpectedly. Okay, and this is where things get real good. He said he had a family emergency. So a few days later, my dad sent me an article in the paper. Oh no. Uh oh. He had to go back to Dominican to be there for the birth of his son. (gasps)
2: oh the birth of his son
3: oh my god and you know what this is when I learned to be careful what you wish for because you just might get it and it all might go horribly wrong and completely blow up in your face and you're left with nothing but trust issues and anger all because your expectations were so high and this is the 2019 Cleveland Browns ladies Wow. What a parallel, Brittany. My right? goodness. <laughs> Was that one hell of a story or what? I got chills. I mean, I should do this for a living. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I should have a podcast.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: You know, everything happens for a reason, and that story happened because of this very moment of the 2019 Cleveland Browns and everything that they were on paper back in Mm -hmm. August. They were our boyfriend, our Dominican baseball player boyfriend that we were so looking forward to building a life with.
3: That was it. (laughs) And now here we are in tears and because (laughs) because our Dominican
2: boyfriend baseball player has a baby with another person. Oh.
1: (laughs)
3: And my dad sent me a newspaper article. He's like, uh, Brit. <laughs> Shout what out to there? Jerry Wallace.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's the Lord's work. Great job, Dad. Uh, yes. Great job, Jer.
3: Thanks. I, I might never have known had my dad not assigned me that. So good job, Jerry. I mean, he's looking out. That's a good Always father has my right back. there. Yeah, he's a creep. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I, I have to ask you guys.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, all of that, your lesson learned... There's a lesson to be think, learned in everything, right? I
3: learned. You would think I learned a lesson, Brie, but guess what? I was, I was on, I was in the first car of this hype train. I was ready to go.
1: Yeah, well, I think we all were. Do we regret? Said, do we regret any of the hype and expectations that we entered into this season with?
3: I, on a serious note, um, yes. Like I'd like to say, oh no, like this was fun. You know, I've had a great time being an idiot, like, online, you know, with all these, oh, you know, here's a positive take. But really, yeah, I think we set the expectations way too high. Um, I feel like, you know, what we talked about a few weeks ago about when Odell came here, it just, like, brought in this whole new level of expectations from one player, mind you. It's just one player. It's one receiver. (laughs) And we went from okay like the browns you know we ended the season well baker looked good at the end of the year you know he set that record and whatever but like once odell got here it was just like holy crap we're going to the super bowl shame on us for doing that like really that we shouldn't have done that we shouldn't have bought into the all this hype but you know we're fans and this is what we do and browns fans we've been craving this for so long we've been craving it any opportunity to say yeah we're going to be good and on paper it looked like it was going to be good on paper it met all of our expectations it exceeded them we're like this is this is what we deserve this is what we've always wanted and it it blew up in our face um i don't necessarily think that it's not fans fault for you know getting excited but you know i think that's at least a big part of the reason why we're so angry and hurt now
2: i mean i was about to say like i wouldn't i wouldn't feel uh, upset uh about getting swept up into the hype i wouldn't feel embarrassed about it because here's the thing so you know there are members of the media who you know cover the team and have covered the team and they're not fans like they're objective reporters and like that's their job but they legitimately thought that this team was going to win 10, 12, 14 games. Like this wasn't just a fans getting excited. This was, you know, people who are in this business, who are saturated in this type of content, looking at this roster and looking at this team and looking at John Dorsey and looking at everything that he's done and saying, this is a playoff caliber team. Objectively, this is a playoff caliber team. So you've got people in the media who are now, you know looking back at the predictions that they made you know 10 weeks ago 12 weeks ago however whatever it was actually it's longer than that you know back in august you know the predictions that that we've made and the articles that we've written and we're looking at this and saying oh my god we got we got duped like we like you know freezing cold takes is just going to get all of us on this one so i think it's just one of those things where i don't think that anyone should feel bad or embarrassed about any kind of hype train because when you have people who cover this team objectively for a living looking at them and saying this is a playoff caliber team that says something you know it's not just the fans so- saying Super Bowl Super Browns like it's people in the media that were saying that too so I uh, you know I think that's one of those things where as fans, you know, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself. We shouldn't feel bad about ourselves because we really, really thought there was something there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what about you, Brie? I just miss having fun. <laughs> it, it feels like this <laughs> season, regardless of the expectations, it it we haven't had fun since the Baltimore win in week four is what it really feels yeah. like to me. Yeah. And there were moments within some games where there was a little bit of fun being had, but... I just go back to the end of last year where we ripped off some wins and Baker was making these snide comments in press conferences and he was laughing and joking around in mm-hmm. his post game pressers. And we just had this fun identity and became almost like America's team, right? Like people were talking about us. It was in a good light. And it just feels like this year we kind of lost that that little bit of light that we had. And on Sunday after the loss to the Cardinals, I actually wasn't even mad or upset about it. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's almost like I'm at the point now where I'm just numb and I'm like, you know what, like what, why, why do I even care if they win or lose? Because watching what I watched on Sunday was going back to almost like the 2016 season where they weren't really playing to win. It felt like they gave up. There wasn't really any effort being shown uh, things were happening in the middle of a play where people just essentially didn't do what they were supposed to do. And to me, that was frustrating. And if their, I don't give a damn meter, is going to be at that level, then so is mine because, yeah. you know, well, there's two games left in this season. And quite frankly, I'm not even motivated to watch them go out and put the product on the field that they put out on Sunday.
3: No, and I agree. One of the things that I've I've wanted to do all year is to watch. I wanted to go to the game on Sunday. I wanted to go see the Browns play the Ravens um, because that's the one game that I've looked forward to all year. Now, it's just like, honestly, my energy level dropped significantly after the Pittsburgh game, you know, when they they lost to uh, the Steelers a couple weeks ago. Um, that's when. All of a sudden you know i was angry i was saying fire everyone i became the fan that i kind of don't like and then (laughs) after that it became very hard for me to turn it back on because like even after you know cincinnati win i didn't feel anything for it i wasn't you know like happy about it i wasn't sad like it was just okay like it was a game it's over now whatever when i was watching the game on sunday i felt very much the same i was like okay like I'm they clearly don't care anymore. That's obvious. You could see it in their body language, you could see by the way they were just acting, the way they were playing. The defense was god awful. And I was, it, from top to bottom, everything was just a mess and I'm like, "You know what? I'm not even mad. I'm just going to sit here and watch my team play and not feel anything because what's the point? If they don't care, I don't care." Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, and you know, I think all of that said we still have two games left in the season and an article was published on Sunday morning about Freddie essentially coming back. They were going to bring him back unless there was a horrific collapse. So we're going to have rational Bob join us because he went on a bit of a tangent today to talk a little bit about expectations, what growth means and what it should look like and go into a lot of the stuff that, We were seeing kind of flood the the internet, I guess the Browns' internet, over the last two days.
3: We are super excited to have our very first guest on tonight. We decided that his tweets are far too rational for Twitter, so we needed to bring him onto the show. His name is Rational Bob, but his real name is Bob Evans. And he's the former managing editor of the Orange and Brown Report and the current Browns' Twitter voice of reason. And one of my very good friends, even though he usually doesn't want to be welcome bob evans
0: wow malice thank you very much for that that very rational introduction um i have a question though uh uh-huh. this this podcast has been going for how long now and i'm your first guest you, you could have done way better than me but thank you for that honor i really appreciate it bob there is no no one better than you you are our number one pick oh geez especially well, today well, thank you you're so, the
3: you're the baker mayfield of the that's what b said podcast. that's right <laughs> yes you are qb1 and like you're not only i was gonna say you're our first man but you're our first human on the show <laughs> 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 usually it's just the three of us and i mean that's cool it's, it's nice to get some testosterone on here though so good stuff
0: well i'm, um, well, I'm happy to be here and like I said uh, before we started recording, Brie, it's very nice to finally meet you, at least over the air here. I've met Brett, I've met MK, but I've never met you. So
1: Hey, happy, happy to have you. We only welcome bees on the show,
3: so <laughs> you cut it. You made the cut. Yes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So we wanted you to be on the show today because you had a very thoughtful thread of tweets about... like how to judge the Browns' growth this year and the importance of staying patient. And I feel like you should give us a brief summary of those because we think the Browns fans really need to hear this right now.
0: Sure. So uh, for those of you who don't want to read 47 tweets uh, in a row, (laughs) I think that's somebody said that's what it ended up being, and I literally did not go into it with the intent of that. It just kind of – so every single week – There's so much negativity and so much, you know, there's so many hot takes and people just coming out there with their pitchforks lit. Just, hey, fire Freddie, fire this person, Mm -hmm. clean house, trade Odell, you know, do this, do that. And it's just like every single week, it's just growing and it's getting worse and it's getting worse. And it's getting to the point where I don't think anybody truly realizes that there's more going on here than just the head coach not being as good as everybody expected not just Baker not being as good as ever anybody expected. And on top of that, we had these ridiculous ridiculous expectations coming into the year and the hype was insane. Media, you know, media outlets were saying Super Bowl Browns, 12 and 4, and this team had literally done nothing to warrant those expectations. Yes, they won 7 football games last year after their, you know, head coach was fired, they finished the year very strong against some all right competition Mm -hmm. your quarterback of the future started looking better and then you entered this offseason and acquired odell beckham jr and it was just like boom everything was blowing up to the fact that this team was a super bowl contender but nobody wanted to truly have a conversation about holes on the roster going into this thing nobody wanted to have a real conversation about the process that it takes when you hire a new head coach you bring in a new offensive coordinator in name you bring in a new defensive coordinator you change the entire coaching staff Mm -hmm. with the exception of two positions and it was just like none of that mattered to anybody and i I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine and i I mentioned to him man this offensive line is rough both tackles are below average you Mm -hmm. traded zeitler as part of the odell and vernon trade you literally only have two good offensive linemen expected to block your franchise quarterback and keep them upright. Like there are a lot more issues to this team going into the year than people realize. And even when I told him really rational sports guy, he came back at me. You're just being a wet blanket, Bob. You're being negative. (laughs) I'm like, dude, listen, nobody wants the Browns to be good more than me. I'm a season ticket holder. I've been writing about this team forever until this past fall, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not just making this stuff up to temper expectations. So the point of that entire thread was just kind of going through my thought process going into the year, talking about those items and the areas where I felt John Dorsey did not address uh, heading into the season that were weaknesses like the offensive line, the defensive line depth, uh, the safety positions. Uh, You know, it was just a little bit of everything. And then also factoring in new coaching staff, Baker learning his now, if you want to count the midseason one, third offense in less than a calendar year Mm -hmm. you know so you had all of these different things that factored into coming into the 2019 season with way more questions than a super bowl contender quote unquote should and then on top of that their opening season schedule was brutal their Mm -hmm. first seven games included four teams that made the playoffs Yep. One team that finished with nine wins, another team in the 49ers that was expected to take a major leap, which they did, mm-hmm. and I forget, in uh, the Jets. So it was like you had this absolute, utter, perfect storm of negativity to happen for the Browns. You had a team that needed to learn, you had a team that had to learn how to play together, learn their offense, grow, and they didn't have time to do it. They didn't get the New England Patriots schedule to start the year. They didn't get the even the Steelers schedule to open the year. They didn't get to go against the Bengals and the Dolphins and everybody early in the year. We got that later in the year. Yeah. And so this whole thread was just kind of me just getting all of these thoughts out there and talking to people about it and how I would look at things going forward with, you know, Freddie and what needs to be answered before you can just go and clean house because if you can't answer all of the root problems and you don't have a plan to address those, we're going to be doing this a year from now, right? If John Dorsey doesn't address the offensive line issues, we're we're going Baker's not going to have time and all these bad habits that he's developed over the course of the year are going to continue to happen. All of these little things, well not even little, all of these other underlying issues aside from the head coach and the coaching job are out there and still need to be addressed. So mm-hmm. even if you clean house it doesn't suddenly and and, you know get mike mccarthy get ron rivera get urban meyer get whoever it is in here that's not going to fix the entire issue here and that was what i was kind of just trying to get out in that thread in 47 tweets or whatever it was
3: (laughs) no it was i thought it was great um and everything that you said i think sometimes and we've talked about this before everyone is so quick to react and we are a very passionate bunch and you know these things they just turn uh volatile so quickly and lately everything has just been a complete shitstorm everywhere and everyone's angry and and yelling all the time and so negative and you know i read that today and just it's nice to shine some light on it say you know take a step back and be like hey guys like relax a little bit maybe this isn't as bad as everyone thinks it is so you know i wanted to have you on tonight so you can explain this um what if you had expectations for next year, what would those kind of look like?
0: See, it's it's so tough to answer that right now because we don't know what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. I Coming into this year, my expectations were 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven because of the holes that I saw
3: mm-hmm. and
0: because of the expectation of installing a new offense and going through all of those changes. So seeing what we've seen, if we just assume, and I know this is going to piss everybody off who's listening, Let's assume Freddie (laughs) Kitchens is back next year, right? Uh Let's just assume that point.
3: Which I think he will be.
0: So, him and – you know, he has a conversation with John Dorsey. He lays out a plan. Hey, this is what I want to do. These are the changes I'm going to make, and we're going to do that. And Dorsey says, all right, I'm going to go get you all those real football players I promised you, and we're going to, you know, fill the holes on this team. This team has already shown us that they can compete with the best teams in the league. Mm -hmm. They've demolished the Ravens on the road. I personally don't think it's out of the question to expect a 10-win season next year and competing for the AFC North crown. Mm-hmm. They've already shown you this year they can compete in the AFC North. They have a chance to go 5-1. and one. I mean, I know that involves beating the Ravens this week. Um, they'll beat the Bengals the final week, regardless of what anybody thinks. So, at worst, you're probably looking at 4-2 and two in the division uh, at the end of this year. You okay. can You can do that again next year. Mm-hmm. And their schedule should be easier... Fingers crossed. So I don't think ten wins with the current coaching staff is out of the question, but you do need to address these holes. You need to address offensive line issues. You need to address address defensive line depth and pass rushing issues. And you're not going to have any safeties. I apologize if you hear a bell ringing. My cat has decided to uh, come in the room. Uh, she she took way longer than I expected. But um, cats
3: are always welcome on the show.
0: I, I knew I knew that was going to be a lot. I was trying to keep her out for the time I was on. No, but... let her in. I want to hear her so, talk. Uh, no, 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 hopefully she doesn't do that. But so ultimately, I'd say 10 wins is my personal expectation for next year if they keep the current staff intact and they address what needs to be addressed from a personnel standpoint.
2: So I want to ask you a question. If you are John Dorsey, do you bring back Freddie Kitchens? and uh, Why or why not?
0: So it goes back to one of my last tweets in that uh, monster thread where I said, if I'm Dorsey, I'm asking Freddie Kitchens the questions on what the, I'm asking him questions on what the plan is, right? I need Freddie kitchens to tell me this is where it's gone wrong. This is what I plan on doing to fix it. These are the changes that we need to make to the coaching staff, if any, to get in that positive direction. And honestly, I'm a type of person that I don't get mad about this. I want Freddie kitchens to tell me if I'm John Dorsey, what players I need, or at least what types of players like say, listen, these are the areas I think that we were not strong enough at this year. And I understand for whatever reason, you know, we thought we went into the year with this. So if Freddie Kitchens can answer those questions in a way that John Dorsey feels is good enough and is solid enough for the plan, then I have no problem bringing back Freddie Kitchens next year. I I understand everybody out there doesn't think Freddie Kitchens can be a good head coach and doesn't think he's the next Bill Belichick or whatever. Like 99% of coaches aren't the next Bill Belichick. But it's hard to know if Freddie Kitchens can be a good coach or not if you don't know the answers to those questions of what his plan is next. I mean, we've heard him in the pressers. We've heard him say I need to I need to call better plays. I mean, he did it in Monday's presser. He you know, when he said, "No, that's not on Baker throwing it to Landry and not throwing it to Odell. That's on me. I need to call a better play." So you hear a coach that at least in these pressers to a certain extent acknowledges that he has to, things that he needs to work on and get better at, but I need him if I'm John Dorsey, I need need him to lay out that plan for me if I'm going to commit to him for another year.
1: This is why you're rational, Bob. Well, I have a question for you, rational Bob. Yes. (laughs) Because in your thread, you talked about (laughs) growth isn't linear. So then would you say, and I know we have two games left to play, but would you say based on where the Browns are right now, that this season would be deemed a success if that was the case, knowing that the entire coaching staff was new, it was Baker's third scheme slash playbook that he was learning, and then you have all these new pieces and holes in the offense slash defense?
0: That's a good question. So so for me, I I look at a couple of different things, right? They had better quality wins this year, and I hate the term quality wins because I feel like I'm the NCAA. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, and that's what that there was. Uh, somebody the playoff committee. With, somebody <laughs> tweeting with me earlier about 7-8-1 and 8-8 and, eight, and, eight, and how 8-8 eight eight isn't better than 7-8-1. But I'm looking at this like, all right, well, you beat three of your current six wins or against teams that are slated to go into the playoffs. You have a chance to beat one of those teams again for your seventh win this week. I know everybody thinks the Browns can't beat the Ravens, but this is Cleveland. This is the Browns. Stupid shit happens. Um, So in in the sense of the quality wins they put put on the board, I I view the season as a a success in that route. I don't view the season as a a success in terms of the offensive play calling, in-game adjustments. As the season went on, I was expecting us to kind of get back to what Baker did well last year and what Kitchens called. I mean, I think we all remember in the Ravens game, they showed that graphic on the screen where Baker was just lighting up and dominating the Ravens in passes that were out in under 2.5 seconds. I thought that was going to be this big flashing sign to the offensive staff like, hey, we need to go this direction for the rest of the year. And it didn't. So I think to answer your question, there's elements of success from the season. But there are a lot of disappointing areas as well, and that's outside of just expectations. You know, the the in game adjustments, the play calling as a whole. Um, you know, things that are independent of the personnel issues that are very unsuccessful in my eyes.
1: We might have to call you Bold Bob with keeping Freddie Kitchens, because you you might you might be the only one that I've seen on Twitter that is advocating for Freddie's job. Maybe so, a few.
0: So I'm not really advocating for Freddie. I'm just kind of laying out the why I could see him coming back. I've ultimately got uh, gotten to this point with Cleveland sports in general from the years of writing and all that, that I, I, I'm not going to just stand up for somebody – for the hell of it, right? I'm not going to, I, I ultimately don't care who the head coach of the Cleveland Browns is. I just want them to do things positively and take steps in the right direction to help this team win. Because a, I would love to spend a Sunday afternoon or a Monday, not watching everybody bitch and complain about everything on Twitter. I'd like to maybe just talk about, you know, Mollus' cat pictures, Mollus' dad um, <laughs> sharing awesome photos, things like that. Like, that's what I want to focus on on my Monday. But um, So you're saying th- you just
2: want to focus on Mollus on Monday? I do. I do. I want to focus on
0: I want to follow on the mess that is Mollus's mentions. That's what I want to focus on. Not the that shit is... show that is Brown's Twitter. Uh,
2: but, I mean, I feel like they're one and the same, though. Like, Britney's mentions and the Brown's Twitter shit show, there's a lot of overlap there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, long story short, I I, don't, I would love to see Freddie Kitchens remain as the head coach if he can answer those questions positively to Dorsey and lay out a plan that can take the Browns in the right direction. If he can't answer those questions correctly and he doesn't have a plan and he's stumbling over himself, because we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what the conversations are going on in the building. We're not there. We don't mm-hmm. know what's going on behind closed doors. So, But if he's laying things out right and has a plan, I'm absolutely cool with giving him another year.
2: So we'll go back to the report that came out. Gosh, I want to say it was Sunday morning where it said, barring a horrific collapse.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was, I think
2: those those were the actual terms. Barring a horrific collapse, the Haslam's and John Dorsey plan on keeping Freddie Kitchens. Now, do you, would you consider the game against Arizona a horrific collapse? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Is <laughs> it so horrific that Freddie needs the, to be fired?
0: The term horrific kind of scares me like it should, but no, I mean, that game, they were unprepared. They looked like they had no business being on the same field with a three win team. they The Cardinals looked like the team that was playing for a playoff spot, not the Browns. Right. And that, I don't know what, I mean, that's a product of coaching, that's a product of the players. I uh, had a friend of mine, ooh, this will be a fun one for your podcast, had a friend of mine send me a uh, a picture of a location of where all the Browns players were going after walkthrough and, on a Saturday night, which was kind of funny. Oh I my. laughed, and, and he goes, LOL, these boys are not coming to play tomorrow, I'll tell ooh. you that much. Oh that, was, that was his uh, text with the screenshot of the location of where they were at. So, um, yeah. I I don't, um, and again, I'm not saying that all the players were there or maybe it was just a couple that he caught a glimpse of, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it was a collapse. It was a major collapse, and I don't know who all is to blame for it, but the coaching staff, it's their job to get everybody ready to play and get up for a game like that, and they weren't. So, yeah, the buck definitely stops with them on that one, and I don't know if it's fireable, but it's a problem.
2: Well, I mean, that was actually going to be my next question because you sort of laid out the path for Freddie Kitchens to be here in 2020 and uh, i i don't think that you can look at a single game and say that's a reason to fire a coach that's a reason to keep a coach but i guess just looking at the full body of work knowing that the report that came out sunday morning that was barring a horrific collapse which is pretty much what happened on sunday afternoon uh you know we're 14 games in what like what, what? say you on this horrific collapse? Do you think that this is sort of, you know, I don't even know how I want to word this question, but we've got Baltimore coming up this weekend, and that could potentially be make or break. So what, I guess, what are your thoughts about how the Browns have played so far this year? What are your thoughts on how Freddie Kitchens has done this year?
0: Sure, so... You know, like you said, I I don't let any one game really change my opinion overall in terms of, hey, oh my gosh, the Browns just lost by 40. He should be fired. Like, that's that's not my reaction to something, right? I'm looking at the overall body of work, and we've seen the same thing all year long. We've seen them have games where they got up, and we've seen them have games where they kind of lulled, and we have letdown games. The Broncos game in Denver was a letdown. The Arizona game was a major letdown. So I have to ask Freddie Kitchens, you know, what what happened during these games? What what has gone on? I mean, we've seen poor offensive game planning. We've seen poor in-game adjustments. We've seen games where they don't run the ball more than four times and a half. So the answers have to, you know, what what are your answers to these questions? What is the why there? I mean, that's what I need to know. I mean, I'm not going to personally ever get the answers to the questions, but John Dorsey can. So... I mean, and again, that's why I just keep going back to if I'm John Dorsey, I have to a- get the right answers to these questions before I make a decision on firing somebody. And because Dorsey can get the answers that we can't. Right. And that, that's why the whole thing to me is, is we're never going to get the amount of information that we need. Now, that report you mentioned on Sunday morning, you know, who, who's that coming from in the organization? Right. Is that coming from I hate to do this, but is that coming from the analytics guys who wanted Stefanski? and the analytics guys who wanted McDermott two years ago, is that coming from the Haslam's who <laughs> the are The analytics
1: guys.
3: You know,
0: you know <laughs> no, what I
2: mean? That's the thing. Two no, camps. There's, there's, there's the thing. Here's the
0: thing. Yeah, there's the analytics
3: of, guys and the football guys. Yeah. No, but
0: you know what I'm saying. But, but like, you're what right, action though. is the leak coming from? <laughs> because we know how leaks work in the NFL, right? Yes, I no, mean, you're absolutely correct. That, could, the, yeah. that leak could come from unknown area scout in South Dakota. I mean, the leak can come from anywhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when these leaks. Yeah. When these leaks come out, they're coming out for a reason. Like someone wants these stories out there and that's why they happen. So I would say you're absolutely correct on that one. For sure. Um, Bob, we have one more
3: question for you.
0: Yeah. I've been I've been talking for way too long. I'm actually surprised my voice is uh, lasted. Yeah, you you
3: sound good. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry for taking over your podcast.
3: Don't. I mean, you rational did, Bob but you know what? Over. It's fine. <laughs> rational Bob takeover. Yeah, we can use a little more uh, rational thinking on this on this podcast. So you're good. Um, one last question: Do you think the Browns have a chance of winning this weekend?
0: I do. Ooh, I wow. do too.
3: I do and th- too. And that's that's not that's not
0: that's not fan Bob. That's just first off, we've already seen them beat them. I know mm-hmm. that was a, a completely different season ago, yeah. but this team just gets up for games and it's a home game so that's obviously going in their favor they are Mm -hmm. they've already proven they can slow down lamar not stop lamar but slow him down and and it's the hell of the bounce bounce back spot right they just got demolished by arizona on the road everybody's expecting them to roll over and die for the rest of the season and now you could have a bunch of pissed off players who are mad at their coach mad at whoever mad at each other come out and just play like their hair's on fire for one last time for the year yep. so I, I i can see a path to it i don't know that it'll happen but i mean i don't think it's something that people should just you know rule out right now
3: i agree all right bob thank you for joining us we really appreciated all of your rational thinking rational bob
1: Thanks again to Rational Bob for joining our show, calming us all down. I hope that you guys enjoyed that interview. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter. His handle is at the Real Bob Evans. He's a great Thank follow, you. gives additional content, and hopefully we'll have him on again soon. Yes. So one thing we didn't talk about with Bob that I think we should probably touch on is really the discipline issues. I think that we all have kind of been seeing the entire season with Freddie and kind of just questioning whether he has this team or not. And Meredith, mm-hmm. I think you want to talk about an article that kind of came out today and get into more of this.
2: Um, well, it wasn't an article. It was a uh, Jason lock and fora on uh, the radio station where I work. And I, I know before everyone kind of, loses me with that one. I know that uh, there's a very contentious relationship with uh, Jason Lock and Fora, but he had some interesting things to say uh, about Freddie Kitchens, and he brought up Greg Williams, which I've heard people bring that up before, of Mm -hmm. uh, they should have brought Greg back. Now, I don't know that Greg Williams is the answer at head coach, but one of the things that Lock and Fora brought up when talking to him today was the fact that a lot of these things that are happening this year that have just made this team a complete mess were not happening under Greg Williams. Like you would not have, you know, Baker commenting on the training staff or Duke Johnson or, you know, any other player that he's publicly talked about throwing the training staff under the bus. Like that, those types of things don't happen. Uh, the leaks don't necessarily happen, or at least not the ones that the organization doesn't want. And, um, Lock and Ford described him as the old school defensive disciplinarian who had this up and coming offensive mind underneath him and Freddie Kitchens. And he thinks that that, that there was something there with that combination. And he just doesn't think that Freddie Kitchens has what it takes to be the disciplinarian, to keep this team under control. So it's not necessarily the big personalities that you have with people like Baker and Odell Beckham Jr. It's just the overall discipline in general with this team, like these types of things would not happen under Greg Williams. These types of things would not happen under a more seasoned head coach. And I can't help but agree with him on that because that's sort of what we've been seeing because we have these questions of has Freddie lost the locker room? And we had these same questions with Hugh Jackson. Did Hugh Jackson lose the locker room? And it was the same situation where you know, the players are just, they're not having it. They're not interested in playing for Hugh. They're not interested in supporting him. They're not interested in, you know, working hard for him. And that's sort of the feeling that we got in this Arizona game this past weekend. So there's there's definitely, as love or hate him, there's definitely a lot to be said for that idea that he brought up of Freddie Kitchens not being able to essentially control the team and keep them under you know a, a good watchful eye and to keep them disciplined and i think some of that comes out on the field too like how many times do we have illegal shift penalties how many times do we have false start penalties and these dumb mental mistakes delay of game penalties like things that should not be happening if you're a good football team is happening with the browns and so i just i think that he he has he has a point with what he had to say about freddie kitchens being under greg williams versus Freddie Kitchens being in charge.
3: Yeah, and one of my, actually probably my only fear going into this season was that you have this new coach and you have all of these personalities on this team now. Um, all of these egos on this team right now. One of his biggest challenges is going to be, I'm not saying that you know football players are like big kids, but they're kind of like big kids right (laughs) so yeah you you have to you know brie as a parent you have to understand how to like deal with these you know these mentalities okay and there's an element of not babysitting but sort of just managing them um and that's uh, that's part of your job as a head coach is learning how to adapt and in Greg Williams' defense, I can totally, I could understand what Jason was saying. I, I understand what he's alluding to. You know, all of this stuff would probably would not have happened under Greg Williams. Not saying that he was the answer. Not saying that he should be the head coach right now. But you know, two different, two very different personalities. You saw last year that, you know, by Freddie's interactions with Baker, they would joke around a lot. And you know, I think we all remember when Baker ran to the sidelines and did that that disgusting gesture. <laughs> well you know what I'm talking about, yes, don't you? Yes. Yeah, like they seem like they were buddies and we're all like, Oh yeah, it's cute. You know, they seem like bffs awesome. That is awesome, but probably not as you know, probably not what you want your head coach to be like with people that he has to manage. So, you know, this is all sort of something that uh I don't know, you could see it coming. Uh you just hope that Freddie found a way to manage it better and he hasn't. If I had to say, I would I would say that Freddie's lost complete control mm-hmm. of this team.
1: Yeah, the only thing, I, I have a hard time with the Greg Williams thing, only because, and Bob kind of touched on it a little bit. If you look at the end of last year when Greg took over, we were winning against maybe the lower quality teams. So mm-hmm. it feels like we didn't really have any of this turmoil happening at the end of last season because we were on our like winning streak route versus like this year you know, we started off pretty shaky um, against some really, really good teams. So it would have been interesting, you know, had Greg continued into this year and and facing some of those difficult teams because I could argue last year, like there were some players on the defensive side that quit in the middle of a game, Jamie Collins being one of them. So, Mm -hmm. and I think other players have spoken out about not really liking Greg's style of coaching, which I get it. You don't have to like the head coach. Like that's not, you don't necessarily need to be best friends with them. I'm fine you with that. You have to
2: respect them. Like it's yes, it's, it's like when like at your job, you don't necessarily yes. have to like love your boss. You just have right. to respect your boss, yeah. and that's really the relationship that should be there. <laughs>
3: yes, yeah. But when you saw Jarvis yelling at Freddy, did it look like he respected him? Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was that was
2: that was rough to see. Because that was especially knowing Jarvis and just how like even keeled he is, and yeah. When you talk about like the quote unquote diva wide receiver, he's not that personality at all. Like he's very even keeled, no. he's very level headed, like he's always been a little quieter than your average wide out, and then all of a sudden you see him just blow a gasket on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Like that is just so many things this year are just have happened that are just so out of character like miles garrett losing his cool and bashing mason rudolph with a helmet and jarvis landry losing his cool on the sidelines like these are like this is a very
3: uncontrolled group yeah and so like and
2: these are the types of things like miles garrett losing his cool is out of character jarvis landry is losing his cool is out of character now if nick chubb the quietest guy on the team loses his cool at some point then we really need to be worried yeah but I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, God, I hope not. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. We we, we love Nick Chubb. We love him so much. We do.
3: We do.
1: So we've already kind of touched on the season being a disaster. We all know that. Um, And now we're in a position where – you kind of have two sides of Browns fans right now. The one that want Uh to move on from Freddie altogether and start over again with maybe someone that has more experience. And then you have a camp that maybe doesn't care at this point, because we've reached a point in the season where we're most likely out of the playoff hunt. A lot of things have to happen to be in the playoffs. And then you have the complete opposite side of, no, let's just keep this continuity with our coaching staff and not start over again. So Meredith, Brittany and I were all curious today. Let's, put a poll out there and see like what is the overall feel for Sunday's game because we are playing the Ravens for the second time this year so it's a division game and we're kind of at a crossroads of if we win this game there's a better chance that Freddie comes back but if we lose the game and we want to start over we probably shouldn't win the game so best we can finish this season is eight and eight which would be an improvement uh we could lose out and stay at our six wins or we could win one more and kind of be even with where we were last year so people were very heated about this pool and there's a lot of difference of opinions happening here and it's crazy to even think about that we are considering wanting to lose this game in order to move on
3: this is such like there is nothing more on brand for this year <laughs> than what's happening right now. A hundred percent. First of all, are, um... yesterday we spent all day yesterday arguing over what "come get me" means. Oh gosh, that's oh, where we're at in our lives. Oh. We just sat there with each other on Twitter arguing about this, and it's like it's week fourteen. This is what we're doing. We should be preparing for something big. We, you know, this game should be full of meaning, and it, it means nothing now. And the things that we fight about, guys, is just unreal i I wonder if like other fan bases do this i really i genuinely do so i don't know what what were the final results of the poll
1: all right so let's read them
3: yeah so the question that i posed was what is your ideal outcome of this sunday's game knowing that a win helps freddie keep his job well it might help freddie keep his job and doesn't help much at this point but losing to baltimore always sucks like yeah that's a fair question so there were three options either i want to win i want a loss i don't care anymore so you guys ready to hear these results? Yeah, yes. Let's... All right. I'll announce the least. So I won a loss had 11% of the votes. Wow. Which, wow. I know. So the math on that is, let's see, like almost 200 votes for I won a loss, which is, I mean, that's a lot to me. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, we had we had almost uh, 2000, 2,000 voters yeah. here, so yes, in context. Yes. Uh,
3: yeah. So... But still, like 200 me. Like, all right, I'm not even gonna do it right now. Um, number two, I don't care anymore. That was 30 percent, 37 percent, and then I want to win was 52 percent.
2: So 37 percent of people who voted
3: in the poll don't care. Yeah, they just they're completely indifferent wow. about it. Wow. And we got a lot of responses too, and that was one of the more common responses we got was I don't care either way. Um, you know, this feels like nothing anymore. Uh, there was a, a string of really. Here, I'll read them. And this is nice, too, because they get a little shout out. So, one person, his name's Justin Leedy at JP Leedy, tweeted It's so counterintuitive to me to root for a loss, but it's where I am. During the game, my emotions will pull me toward wanting to W, but my brain says, We need to go full dumpster fire to have any hope of real change. My only fear is, How patient are the bubble players? Can we salvage Baker, OBJ, Juice with new coaches and new culture? Chubb will always do his job, but I worry about the emotionally volatile players and the long-term damage this season will do. Yikes! Next guy, Ryan Force at four-six rain two. I want a loss. Wins are irrelevant at this point, and who cares if they go five and one in the division? All that matters is the Super Bowl. Eliminate any chance of kitchens. Um, and then this was our problem this was the most popular response. I think got the most likes, and it makes a lot of sense. And this is the one I'm rolling with from my friend at pete smith oh we love pete smith friend of the show yes hi pete um he said i personally believe the cake is baked on kitchens and dorsey's back back channeling to try and land his next coach they'll know who the coach is for 2020 before the final whistle of week 17 so i hope mayfield and company beat the brakes off the ravens for their own sake Hmm. um so yeah we had a lot, a lot of responses yeah. on that yeah. one, and, and everyone, they're all over the place. Yeah, thank
2: you to everyone who voted. Thank you to everyone who responded. Um, I mean, I like I went through and I read every single response, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I tried to interact, but it was a lot. But we do appreciate it, and we really like that people wanted to you know interact with the show and let us know because it was something we were genu- genuinely curious about. Because I was hearing that from people who were calling in and at you know on our radio show and just saying lose out be done like if that's the way to get rid of freddie kitchens like i want to get blown out by 60 against baltimore and to me that just feels i feel like that's a very like in the moment anger kind of thing and i think the first yeah. response that you read where it was like head says lose heart says win and you know you know come kick off come one o'clock on sunday you're especially since it's going to be at home you're gonna want to see the Browns win because it's never it's never fun to see the team lose. Especially so, the Ravens. It's just like, yeah. but
1: yes. if they show up again like they did against Arizona, then I I mean I'm at the point now like if they show that same type of e- effort or lack thereof, then I'm essentially at the I don't I'm I'm just like numb now like I don't know what yeah. happened, but it just it just took so much out of me and I thought that we were going to see someone get really badly hurt on Sunday based on how they were playing like OBJ almost died at like those last two plays of the game yes
3: yes if they show up like that against the Ravens number one um i (laughs) the defense oh my can you imagine what Lamar Jackson oh I don't even want to think about that that's that's the other thing I don't want to I don't want to have to I don't want to watch that Jesus that's gonna be a disaster but also like (laughs) if they show up against that I'm also gonna be like you know what let's let's just see Lamar work if they don't care I don't care and I love Lamar so let's just see you run all over the field baby I'm ready for that (laughs) yeah man plant myself plant my ass in the chair and just watch Lamar go to work what a humble pill for Baker Mayfield Uh, to
1: swallow right like I mean just think about that for a minute like just a humbling this could be the most humbling I mean I think the Pittsburgh game was probably pretty humbling for us getting beat by I forget his name Duck Hodges is that his name
2: yeah (laughs)
1: getting beat by a fourth string quarterback but we could also be humbled once again
2: well, yeah, on oh, yeah. Sunday. I, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. got to be humbling for Baker, because if you look at that 2018 draft class, there were so many quarterbacks. Yeah. And Baker Mayfield was one, the first one overall, and Lamar yeah. Jackson was, like, the last of the quarterbacks in that bunch to be picked.
1: I think mm-hmm. and Baker's was, ranked last. Is he last? Oh, well, I think Josh Rosen is beating him, but I think Baker's three out of four.
2: Yeah. In terms so, of
1: yeah. best yeah. or worst quarterback, depending on how you look at it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was probably the most quarterback-heavy draft that we have seen in in quite a while and to have the last quarterback picked up to be the the current best like mm-hmm. that that says a lot
1: yeah oh yeah yeah well the other thing that happened this week that we have to talk about because it's so ridiculous is the whole come get us oh, <laughs> race. That I, I don't know why we haven't seen this coin on a t-shirt yet but oh, uh, I think we would all rock them because I just have to laugh at how this whole entire thing blew up about how there were articles being posted about players saying, come get us during the Arizona game. And it all stemmed from a report, what,
3: last week about OBJ saying, come get me. If I never hear those (laughs) words, two things, two things I want to say. If I never hear the words, come get me again. And if I never see a damn shuffle pass again in my life, those are two things I am begging the world to stop oh, because i my brain is like short-circuiting right now oh my god but also
1: like aren't we as fans the ones that should be saying come get us like we should be saying to every nfl team <laughs> right? out there like please come get us like we actually deserve to be got uh,
2: i mean there are a few fan bases i'm sure you would not want to be a part of uh, the washington redskins being you know top of the list um You know, they play
3: with some heart sometimes. They actually feel like they want to win. Former OSU quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. Um,
2: So, I mean, just, uh, I mean, I was, I'm from, I'm from Washington, D.C. I was in the trenches with that team as well. Uh, Trust me, it's ugly. Okay. Uh, But then you also, you know, the, the Lions are a bit of a mess. Um the dolphins are are kind of messy so i mean there are
3: again but they're still at least playing with heart yes, like that team, that's that team tried so hard and they shouldn't be they're kind of fascinating honestly
2: yeah well because for the longest time uh i i used to tell people and this is like a few years ago like why i sort of because i mean if you ask me i will say that i am a browns fan uh you know i'm, I'm loyal to my hometown for. Um, all of my sports, except for football, I've jumped on the Browns bandwagon. I did it prior to the Owen 16 season. Um, and what I was telling people, they're like, why would you cheer for the Browns over the Redskins? And I said, because the worst thing the Browns do is lose. Whereas the type of like craziness that we're getting this season with the TMZ style reporting, like that was all very, very Washington for years and years and is still like that. Um, but at the time I was like, well, the worst thing the Browns do is lose. So I, you know, I would much rather have a team that loses with integrity than wins like three games a season and, you know, has like the offensive coordinator's wife create a burner account on Twitter to accuse reporters of giving her husband a blow job. You know, like that's, that's the type God. of things that happen. Although I don't know, like our, Haslam's
3: like a criminal. <laughs> right yeah allegedly um
2: I mean it's it's ongoing we can't really say one way or the other uh without getting in trouble so
1: well we're not gonna touch that one
0: <laughs> all right so, yeah, we're yeah. Going,
1: well, so we're not gonna touch that we're gonna have some fun you guys because we just talked about how the Browns aren't fun anymore <laughs> or they haven't been fun this whole season but we're gonna have some fun next week we're gonna have a special episode uh, on Sunday. We're going to record post game just based on how the holidays are falling. And uh, because next week is Christmas and we're gearing up for the new year as well, uh, we have started coming up with a 12 days of Christmas for the 2019 Browns. So we've been having some fun with this, Meredith, uh, Brittany and myself, and we want to get your thoughts too. So, you have to center this around the 2019 Browns. We, we know that this season has been a bit of a turmoil. There's been a lot going on that you can uh, apply to this. And we know that our fans are the most creative. We might be miserable, but we're also very creative. So make sure that you tweeted at us. Uh, give us your ideas for what day of the week, or I'm sorry, which day of Christmas you have and what you think of, and we will read them out on the show. So just some examples that we've been kicking around here. You know, we think... The first day of Christmas the 2019 Browns gave to me a head coach named Freddie.
3: So, that's our starting <laughs> I like point. How you said that I and didn't sing I didn't it. sing. I thought <laughs> singing it. <laughs> Would you oh, like but sing we know it? you can
2: we know you can sing.
3: If there's any singers out there let us know. <sighs> oh my god. Yeah, if you yeah, will we'll have to, to get a recording for us. Yeah, so yes. that's
2: a, yeah, that's definitely it. So we'll come out with the 12 days of of brownies cuz mm-hmm. that's pretty much what it's going to be uh yeah and if there's any musician out there that wants to record it we will play it on the podcast
1: yeah it's gonna be great it's gonna be a fun show you guys hopefully we're recording after a win or else yeah, i don't
3: you know, know what, what, what type know of mood what's... we're gonna be in it's gonna be fun because christmas episodes are always better than thanksgiving episodes. we're gonna have that debate oh, wow. again wow wow <laughs> fire <laughs> <laughs> like, thanksgiving didn't have its own song meredith oh
2: i mean there true. was the, the the turkey song that adam sandler wrote does that count <laughs> I mean, he's also like the only person that wrote Hanukkah songs. Actually, no, that's not true. There's a lot of Hanukkah songs, but Adam Sandler has the most famous ones. So, yeah, that's right. I know there's like fire emojis coming out of that take right now. I mean, I'm not (laughs) saying that Christmas episodes are bad. I'm just saying that I prefer Thanksgiving themed episodes because I think that they are top quality. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, this this has been a great, great podcast of just Browns talk, but it it would be
2: (laughs) we would be remiss if we didn't bring (laughs) up the Indians. (laughs) Thank
1: you, (laughs) because the Indians just tried to slide a trade by us on Sunday (laughs) based on when it came out right before the Browns game. Kicked off, and uh, Corey Kluber was traded for a bag of chips and Skittles, <laughs> and Brittany and I were not really that mad about it. And then us not being mad about it made a lot of people mad at us for not being mad about it.
3: Everyone's uh, mad at everyone all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, mean that's that's, the bottom of that's the bottom line. I mean, here's my thing, guys. When it comes to baseball, I'm so like emotionally uninvested in it that like. A lot of my most rational takes come about baseball. So when I saw this Kluber thing, I was like, okay, like to me, a rational baseball, you know, kind of fan, kind of, you know, I, the Indians are fine. I don't hate them. Um, when I saw, I was like, okay, he's like number one. He's like 33 years old. Uh, he played like seven games yep. last year. He he was bad. Um, you know, his postseason record is abysmal. I mean, well, it, what in the last two postseasons, abysmal. So you can't really count on them when you need him. Um To me, I was like, all right. And here's the thing about the Indians that I don't think people give them enough credit for. Is that they're the one team out of, you know, the, the Cavs, Indians, and Browns. They are the one team who, no matter what, seems to get it right. Um, you know, last year they won 93 games and like they had people out with you know sicknesses yeah injuries was... like important pieces just went down and the indians are just like okay we'll just throw this guy in here and he'll be great and he was and like this is just what the indians do so all the credit in the world to them and as far as i'm concerned for you know the time being until they get rid of frankie Mm, Lind, yeah don't say that but until that Mm. point anything they do i'm like all right like i just implicitly trust that they know what they're doing because they prove me wrong all the time
1: yeah you touched on frankie and that one that one will hurt me when that when i'm saying when because it's probably bound to happen but i was hoping that maybe the corey kluber trade was essentially a way to keep frankie
2: well, it can somehow be. on
1: this roster. It,
2: it, it can be. So this is why I'm not upset about this trade yet, um, because we don't know what the Indians are going to do with that extra cap space. So that's important. Puig. Yeah, yeah that's they, do. <laughs> they might they might bring back Yasiel Puig. They might extend Freaky. So there are a lot of things that they can do with it. So I don't think that uh, I don't think anyone should be upset yet, especially when you look at the pitching core on this team. You've got Shane Bieber, Uh, Zach Plisak, Mike Clevenger, Carlos Carrasco, hopefully if he comes back healthy, which I'm thinking that he will. I don't know who the Mm -hmm. fifth man is going to be in that rotation, but that's four really solid starting pitchers right there. And Mm -hmm. this class A guy that they traded for is, you know, he's destined to be a closer. He's going to be a reliever. And he, you know, has a cutter that consistently hits 97, 98 miles an hour. And I think I I tweeted out a video um, of him breaking 100 miles an hour on this cutter now the the accuracy isn't there but if the pitching staff can work with him on his accuracy that's going to be a very dangerous closer
1: so Mm -hmm. yeah and that's what we need right like that's what we need
2: so there's going yeah so there is there's a lot of the a lot of things that the indians can do right now because they have a ton of cap space um they you know closers are important so i think with this I think we need to wait and see what they do with all of that extra money before we start getting upset about Corey Kluber being
3: treated.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm willing to give it I'm willing to give him a shot. I'm willing yeah. to uh trust that they know what they're doing. And it's
3: almost it's it's almost irritating that the Indians just always get it right. Because <laughs> you look at like, okay, the Browns. You know, Odell Beckham wears a visor, and we it, the team falls apart for, like, a week, and that's all we hear about. <laughs> but it's a freaking visor, but, that, like, that's the center. But the Indians, they just keep, you know, they get rid of people, they replace them, they put them in the farm system, plug them in, and they're good. They win 90, 91, 92, 93, and they're just fine. And it's like, okay, why are you guys like this? Why can't the other two teams just be like this, too? I just threw my I just threw my pen down because I'm mad at <laughs> for being good I know it's just so frustrating for an Indians
1: fan where they just can't get over the hump you know like it's like you're all like they're always so close that yeah. it's it's almost just almost even I don't want to compare the fan bases or like the browns versus the Indians because it's it's tough because oh we're actually we're gonna do that oh uh, you have an inept. Browns football organization that has super diehard fans you have the Indians fans which are also diehard but it's a winning team so it's like it's the opposite of what we deal with from a football standpoint it's almost like the Ohio State comparison that we keep drawing but Ohio State's able to actually get over the hump and win when it matters sure so oh this is this is a lot this is emotionally exhausting conversation
2: (laughs) are you okay Bray are you okay I'm not. You? I'm,
3: st- I'm still clicking my pen right now. Do you hear Yeah. you
2: guys are so like bad. stupid
3: Indians. All right, guys. I mean, well,
2: deep breaths. Deep breaths. Uh, we're not. We're not going to get bad yet. Um, but I mean, yeah, because you were you were talking about the Indians getting thing right. Uh, who who would have thought that they would have won ninety three games and yeah. not even make it to the postseason? Unexpected. Like, that's insane. Um, that's what i'm
3: saying they're all three teams are like equally frustrating in their own very unique ways yeah there's always it's yeah it's a different problem with every team and yeah
2: yeah and uh we'll we'll we're definitely gonna dive into the calves sooner rather than later because we've got two more football games left so uh yeah you know
3: <laughs> yeah. The Cavs. I, w- I watched a full game last night guys it was something maybe they'll be
1: part of our christmas special Ooh. oh yeah i like that all right well guys this was fun i think was it fun Are we having fun? (laughs) Actually, like a Browns game where we're not sure if this was a win or not. I don't know. I feel confused.
2: We try so hard. We We really, really do. I mean, when we can't be positive, we be rational.
1: That's right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Rational Bob for coming on our show and calming all of us down. Make sure that you guys download, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please rate and review us and be sure to tune in next week at a special time. We'll be releasing on Monday with our special holiday edition. And don't forget to tweet us your 12 days of Brown's Christmas ideas. Being yes. Looking forward to hearing all of those. We're going to get some doozies, guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Love you guys all. Talk to you soon.